I'm Lauren of Lauren Leslie Studio, and today I want to introduce you to special guest uh, Amanda Brady, and she's here to talk to us about her very first experience showing her patterns and designs at Surtex. So we're about to dive into 11 questions, and Amanda is going to honestly answer all of these questions so that moving forward, if you're thinking about showing at Surtex, you'll have a great idea and know what to expect in 2019. So before we jump into the questions, make sure to like this video, uh, leave a comment or question below, and we'll try to answer those to the best of our ability, and definitely subscribe to my channel if you haven't already. All right. So Amanda is a founder of Greenhound Press, and um, at her very first Surtex show, she was on Print and Patterns blog, which is incredible. I'm not sure how she did it, but she's very talented and amazing. So here's just a little snapshot at her, of her at Surtex um, with her artwork. And um, I've been a rug designer for the last seven years, and I'm excited to say that some of my rugs have ended up in anthropology. So that's like any designer's dream. Um, so that's just a little bit of my background. And we will jump into the questions. So Amanda, can you tell us how did you become a designer in the first place? Um, well, in high school, I was on our journalism staff and discovered Photoshop and I loved it. And I went into college going to be a journalism major because I didn't really know graphic design was a thing. So I was like, I'll just be a journalism major and then I can lay out the like, newspapers. <laughs> like, this is how naive and how little I knew about anything. And then my cousin is a graphic designer in Maine and she flew out for a wedding and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm a graphic designer because our families aren't really super close because we live so far apart. Mm -hmm. And um, so yeah, she like showed me all of her stuff, gave me all these magazines and I like changed my major the next day. Uh -huh. And so that's how I became, that's the like very beginning of how I became a designer. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, okay, so what inspired you to go to Surtex in 2018? Like, how did you get from deciding to be a designer to ending up at Surtex? So back to my cousin Erin in college, I flew out to her house and she showed me all of these like patterns she had made and it never had dawned on me. Like, oh, people actually make these. I mean, it's just one of those things you don't think about there because they're so part of our lives. And um, so I became obsessed with making patterns in college, but I kind of just did it as a hobby. You know, I'd have files in my computer and I did that for like four or five years. And my husband was always like, what are you going to do with those? And I was like, uh, put them on Instagram sometime. And <laughs> like, of course I'd heard about Surtex. So I, in February of 2018, I emailed Surtex to ask about the 2019 show. And the woman who runs the show called me and she was like, why would you wait till 2019? Why don't you do it for 2018? And I was like, I don't know, because I don't know. And she's like, you're totally ready. And so I just like made kind of like an impulse decision. and was like, all right, uh, I guess I'll sign up for the 2018 show. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I can't believe that happened. I didn't realize it was that like spontaneous. and It really was. Minute. I mean, I've been kind of checking in on the show like for a year or two, but like, oh yeah, I'll yeah. give myself a year and a half to get ready for the show. And yeah. instead I gave myself three months basically. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know I would feel like I needed at least a year to get ready. So when you uh, signed up kind of last minute, did you feel ready once you were there or were you like, oh, it's okay. Like I could have had more, but I'm, I have enough to. 
You know, actually, I'm glad that I didn't have a year because I think I would have waited till close to the last minute anyways. Um, <laughs> and since I had such a short amount of time, there was no time to really stop and second guess anything. It was just like, I had to go on pure instinct. Like, this looks good to me. This is what I'm doing. I like this. This is what I'm doing. Cause I did, I didn't have the time to debate it really. Yeah. So, um, especially like with like the booth design and stuff, cause you have to have so many weeks to like get that stuff printed and shipped to you. And then I wanted a little wiggle room in case something was wrong to get a reprint. Right. So it was just boom, boom, boom. I kind of love that. <laughs> it actually, for me, it worked really well. Good. So. Okay. Well, what can you tell us about art licensing? Um, still not that much. <laughs> so I, okay. uh, I didn't know what to expect when it came to the actual like selling of patterns at the show. And I brought like order form sheets. And I couldn't find it anywhere on anyone's blog or anyone who had talked about Surtex, mm. like about the actual selling of the patterns. Oh, okay. So I came prepared if people wanted to buy them. And then I just, what I've been doing now is I got a great number of contacts from Surtex. So I started like an e-blast basically that I send out when I make a new um, collection and I will send it to these people first. So they get, before I even like put it on Instagram or anything, I'll show it to them to give them an opportunity. So that's just what I've been doing since the show, but I haven't actually done any licensing deals yet. So okay, that's why I don't, um, I'm still not sure how that works. And I'm really curious to see in the future how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that um, sort of the path that you want to go down with showing your things at Surtex or do you, are you wanting to do more like client work? Um, really anything. I, I would definitely love to get some licensing deals. Um, but since I'm still so new, I'm not, I'm not sure if like I'm going about getting the licensing deal the right way or yeah, I'm still, that's very murky waters for me still. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. The side of stuff, I'm like, can someone else just take care of this for me? <laughs> I know. I think um, so many artists are like that. And I think that art school doesn't really prepare you that well for the business side of things, or there's not like, I don't know. I mean, it seems like some artists out there have uh, agents and work with agencies and that seems like one way to do it, but you don't really even know how to make those connections in the first place. And so my next question was going to be, are you working with an agent? Um, like, are they trying to get you licensing deals or are you um, still looking for an agent or are you going down that route at all? So the first time I ever even thought about an agent was at Surtex and an agent came up to me and was like, I would love to work with you. Here's my card. Mm. Um, and she's like, reach out to me at such a date. And it was a couple months after and I don't even think I've reached out to her yet because I'm still deciding if that's, I don't want to waste her time. So I didn't want to reach out to her until I had researched more of like, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, and, and I want an agent or, um, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out just where I want to take this and where I want to go with this. And I think I've been kind of waiting to see if something naturally happens, but mm -hmm. since I'm probably going to have to like really, you know, start working a little harder at figuring out like which direction I want to go with this, <laughs> <In terms laughs> right. of, you know? And so I would not be opposed to using an agent. I just don't know if that's a, like, I just don't, I can't commit to that yet. I gotcha. So, 
Okay. So we'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, my next question is how did you prepare for Surtex? And I think you kind of answered this with, um, you know, just talking about how last minute everything was, but are there, um, is there any advice you would maybe give to someone who is thinking about going to Surtex in 2019 and what are some like kind of practical steps they could take to get prepared for the show? Um, well, I did a lot of research and I, I tried to track down any blog, anything on Pinterest I could find mm-hmm. of like people's booths, um, you know, what they did for promo items, just anything I could get my hands on. So, and then I spent probably a couple weeks, you know, when you get in that zone where you tr- you're trying too hard and <laughs> things aren't flowing naturally. So I was definitely there. So once I got through that and was like, you know, just stopped thinking so much and doing what I naturally know to do, it went a lot smoother. But I, um, I definitely looked at a lot of booths and was like, okay, what's, and I was really kind of harsh, thankfully, like, you know, it was just in my head, but like, what's working with this booth? What's working with this booth? How can I incorporate that into my booth? You know, and then I noticed like, how did people actually showcase their patterns? Right. Um, and a lot of people had like these big portfolio books or like printed large pieces of paper. And I, I don't know why I just did not want to do that. So I made an actual catalog of like a magazine spread of all my patterns. And I took that and I, I made like a hundred copies mm. um, and then gave those out. So people could take my portfolio with them. Um, That's smart. It worked really well. I was and. Um, yeah, the magazines weren't super expensive to print because that was one of the reasons like I didn't want to like print this super expensive portfolio or even like the sheets of paper. Um, cause like they'll print like these big sheets of paper. Yeah. Um, Who did you use to print, um, your magazine? I've heard I of used, like blurb and I don't know. I used a company called overnight prints. Okay. And, yeah. I've used them. Yeah. It, it's decent quality, especially for what I wanted it for. And it was pretty inexpensive. Um, and so, yeah, that worked out really nicely for me. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like lost track. I was like, what's the question again? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I know I kind of got you off topic, but yeah, just getting, or any advice to get people, um, kind of like a checklist of things that they might need to feel prepared for Surtex going into 2019. Like obviously you're, you did a lot of research on your booth and kind of what that is. Cause like you could have all your designs, but if you don't have a way to showcase them, then you're not really going to be able to show at Surtex. So, you know, yeah. you can't just go in with an iPad and be like, here's my stuff. Um, I definitely think you have to think about the whole picture. Um, when I was at Surtex, one woman, I forget who it was. She was a buyer and she goes, I love your booth setup." And she goes, I love that you even matched your booth. Like my outfit matched my booth. Yeah. Which I didn't plan that that's just colors I'm kind of gravitated towards. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so even the details do matter so much. Like I would have never even thought to match my clothes to my booth, but it made sense if like, you know, you have a muted color palette, that's kind of your aesthetic, but you're wearing like neon bright clothes. Like you're kind of like presenting yourself as a brand almost. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I would definitely say think about the entire package from booth setup to what you're wearing to what your promo items are. And then I also had printed fabric samples and I had pillows made. I oh, cool. Brought them down. But um, 
yeah, my cousin made me these cute little pillows with my patterns on them. And I had mm -hmm. them up on the, behind me. So people had things they could touch and hold as well. And I think adding just the little element of like, oh, this is where, so people could see where these patterns could live, I think mm -hmm. really helped. And I got a really positive response. Awesome. Um, yeah. People if like, you want to go grab them, I can like pause our recording. Yeah. I'll go grab them real fast. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Stuff. Hold on. Okay, cool. <laughs> They're up in my kids' room, so I had to go like track them down. But, um, so yeah, so I made this pillow. Well, my cousin made it, but th this fabric I just had made at Spoonflower. Okay. And then I had this little pillow. And so these were like sitting up on a little shelf, so it kind of looked like a mini store. Love it. And then I printed off some fabric samples that I had hanging off my booth so oh, people yeah. could come up and like touch it and look at it and like look through the fabrics. Okay. And that was a very, um, especially for, cause you know, a lot of my stuff is very childlike and so fabric okay. would be like a very ideal. So, um, that yeah. was like created some huge talking points. Um, so did all of the fabric you get printed on spoon flower and is it all yeah. digitally printed? It is all digitally printed. I, um, I actually just like made squares <laughs> and then like made this huge file of like each square and then uploaded that one file and then to save on costs and mm -hmm. then just cut like each fabric. Oh, that's so smart. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Cause like, it's so expensive to go. So it's like, you don't want to like, you know, break the bank on all this stuff, but at the same time right. you don't want to like, you know, the details do matter. So of course. So, yeah, and then here's uh, like my little um, catalog that I made for the show. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like did some mock-ups. Like I found some nice Photoshop mock-ups online. Oh yeah. And like, you know, cause I really wanted to show people like, here's what you could do with this pattern. So, right. Um, but yeah, this was like a big hit cause people could just take it and then, you know, like a business card gets lost, but this is like, yeah, you're not going to lose that. Yeah. So. And I'm sure buyers are meeting with so many different artists at Surtex that they probably have a hard time remembering who they met with or, you know, it's like even with a business card, they're like, I kind of remember, but maybe not. But with that, they, there's no way they're going to forget like your style and. Oh no. Cause I put everything in here that I showed. So yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So yeah, it was, um. This was like, like I said, it was supposed to be like a cheaper decision is why I initially made it. And then it just ended up, I had a lot of success with it. So oh, that's awesome. So yeah, there's all my, my kids pillows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When, okay. Did you focus on a particular medium when you were creating your patterns for Surtex? Like, did you focus on more like digital drawing or like watercolor or, um, and tell us a little bit about your, more about your style and kind of what you focused on and if you kind of noticed what other artists were doing as well. Um, so I am very vector art. Like that's my thing. That's what I love to do. Um, so everything I do is vector. Um, like 98% of my work I do is in Illustrator. Um, so that's what I know. That's what I love. And that's what I stuck with at the show. I noticed every style under the sun at the show. Um, you see a lot, I saw a lot of watercolors. Um, 
mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of digital art just yeah there was I'm trying to think any new trends that you notice, like in terms of like medium, um, like did you see more hand-drawn things or more like graphic or modern styles, like clean styles? I would say watercolor was probably the style that I saw the most that it actually stuck out in my mind. Like, oh, there's another watercolor. Oh, there's another watercolor. But they were still so different. So um, I'm guessing that that was kind of trending at this show right. a lot. Um, a lot, a lot of Christmas art. Oh, okay. I bet that's a huge, um, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, the, the seasonal business is, is really huge. I interviewed with um, International Greetings at one point, and I ended up um, deciding not to take the job, but they were saying that um, they would need me to come in like every weekend <laughs> for their Christmas season and for Valentine, you know, like it wasn't like that all year, but it was enough like that enough where I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> oh, I might just a, stay with Russ. A whole booth that was just Christmas. Like that's all yeah. they did. That's all these women did was Christmas stuff. And I mean, I knew it makes sense that the holiday market is the biggest, but one of the, um, big agents that I talked to, um, she told me that it's like 80% of surface design is florals or Christmas. Or like, wow. Yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, so that was, that was eye-opening. Yeah, so then it's like, what do you do? Because, you know, if that's 80% of the business, you want to be a part of it. But then the com- competition, I'm sure, is also so high that you're like, right. maybe I should focus on something more niche. It is well. I think because like buyers know that that's the stuff that sells. Like florals are always going to be in. Florals are always going to sell. So it's like a safer buy to buy a floral as opposed to like a llama, where only like a few people like llamas. Or you know, right? It's funny though. I will say that in rugs, and this is so niche and specific, but I'm a rug designer. For those of you who may not know, (laughs) and (laughs) I mean they have been like anti-floral for like a long time I think just because the lattice designs and even like Persian designs more like oriental and like traditional designs have kind of come back into style um but I think we're just now starting to like get back into florals even in outdoor like I design outdoor rugs and I'm like come on like I think we can do some florals now <laughs> so, that's what I never thought about it now that you said that it's like oh yeah I don't ever see floral rugs anywhere <laughs> yeah I think it'll come back but it's like been a struggle <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, my next question is what kind of collection did you present? Um, And I know you just kind of showed us your products, but if you want to tell us kind of what was your thought process in terms of making a collection, like um, were you trying to focus on kids products or um, some other kind of audience or niche market? So like I talked about earlier, I really struggled the first couple of weeks and I was just overthinking it, over trying, and just everything I came up with was like so forced that you could just, to me, it read as like forced. So I went to a couple patterns that I created a year or so before that I loved and never did anything with, and it was a farm um, theme. And so kids, um, the kids stuff is what I really love. And, but I, I try not to be too babyish. Like I like kind of like the kids stuff that like you could turn it into an adult thing and it still totally work um mm-hmm. like go for anyways so yeah so I kind of went with this whole like farm theme <laughs> like oh like, that's cool farm like this, there's like a little farm truck and a cow and some corn yeah. and then like 
this was like a coordinate to go with it. And I had this little, I had this little pig everywhere. <laughs> um, I mean, like a little pin of him. And so, um, so yeah, so because, you know, when I m- made these patterns, it was just for fun. I didn't have any shows lined up. I, you know, was like, maybe I'll put this on Instagram, but it's, I, it was just for fun. And so to me, they appeared more natural of my style. And yeah. Life. Yeah. So. That's interesting that you were able to kind of go back into the archives and like pull out, <laughs> you know, things that were just you, like that you did for fun and they ended up standing out a lot and getting onto the print and pattern blog, which is amazing. I, uh, that, I didn't even know I made it up there. I just was like, cause you know, I checked that blog all the time and I submitted mm-hmm. my stuff and I was like, no, you know, good luck. Go out into the universe and <laughs> didn't think about it again until I'm scrolling by and I see this armadillo pattern that I did. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was like that. I mean, that alone made it worth going to Surtex. Like the fact that I made it on that blog, like it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Congrats. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so how much did Surtex cost in total? And do you feel like it was worth the cost? Ooh, this is where it gets tricky. Um, so by the time between flights, hotel, food, and the booth and all this stuff, I bet I spent between 4,500 and five grand. Wow. Yeah. So it was a very huge investment. Um, so far I would say it has not paid off financially, but that being said, I also am so new to this world that I feel like I needed to take a very crucial step like this Mm -hmm. to keep going forward and to figure out, okay, this is what I need to do to make money at this. (laughs) And so since the show, I've just been doing things to keep working towards getting a licensing deal and making money at this. But, um, yeah, it was, it was very expensive. Right. So yeah, my next question was going to be, um, did you walk away with any licensing deals, which we already sort of touched on? Um, yeah, so you're, you're not doing that yet, but it sounds, or I don't know, I follow you on Instagram and it looks like you are working on some, you know, client work, some illustration. I did. I think it, I I have one client that came out of nowhere and I think the fact we talked about me going to Surtex and I think that gave me a level of, um, what's the word? Um, my credibility, credibility. Thank you. And so I do think it helped me get some other gigs, but not in surface design. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I have been getting a lot of, um, I have been getting client work, um, illustration client work, which is really exciting. So, um, yeah, not, it was, I, I wouldn't say it was a, a waste of money, but it definitely, it was a, it was a nice chunk of change. <laughs> yeah. It's enough to, to make you maybe second guess. Um, are you planning on going back to Surtex in 2019? No. And I was never planning going back unless I like knocked it out of the park. I wanted to make my money and like double it before I would commit to going back because okay. so since I was a first time showcaser, you get like an intro discount and you get a really small booth, which okay. is awesome because I mean, the bigger the booth, the more expensive it is, not only in terms of like 
it jumps, I think, from 3,000, I think it was 3,000 for the intro booth, and then it jumps up to 5,000 for one of those big booths. So not only did you have the $5,000, but then the banners and stuff to fill this space is more. And so I was never, right. like, it would have, I would have had to make so much money to commit to going to Surtex 2019 because I wouldn't be a first-time show buyer or show <laughs> so even for the same, would you have gotten the same amount of space or would you have, you're like you're required to be bumped up to that next, the bigger booth? I mean, they might've changed it. Cause I think they changed a lot for the 2019 show, but yeah, you just had to go up to the next size. Like you couldn't get that intro space again. And like someone like me, that's just cause those spaces are really for like the agents who have like multiple artists. So it's really easy to fill. I mean, cause the, the, the booths are like the size of a room. They're huge. So it's like little me in this, like, wow. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I just, I couldn't justify that yet. So yeah, I, I never had plans to go back as bad as that is. Unless <laughs> I like, yeah, made like a ton of money but I didn't. So I was like, well, that's that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It makes me wonder, you know, like how many times would you have to go before it did start to pay for itself? Um, because I read some blog posts by some other artists who felt like they had gotten enough gigs out of it to justify the cost. But I mean, at the same time, I don't know, like I have to wonder, um, I don't know, like, you're still like, yeah, you're maybe justifying the cost, but do you really want to give that portion of your earnings to a show like that? And would you maybe still be okay without the show? Like, do you really need the show? Are people going to forget about you? Do you have those relationships with buyers where they're still going to come back to you year after year um, for work? Or maybe is it that you go every other year or something like that? Um, I don't know. Like what was the general feeling that you got from other designers at the show? So that was really interesting because the general vibe, everyone was like not super pumped. Um, <laughs> hearing from people who had gone to the show multiple times that like there was no one there. Like it was really slow show. Like and no buyers? No buyers. I think the show itself of how many like designers were there was so much smaller than in past years. And um I heard from a couple people that were also went to the blueprint show. Have you heard of that? Uh, I heard about it from you. <laughs> you had so, mentioned it to me before. Blueprint was take at the time or last year blueprint took place. Like it kind of overlapped with surtex like a day or two. So it was like blueprint show and then right into surtex show. Mm. And there was a ton of people that showed at blueprint and surtex. And they were talking about how much better blueprint was hmm. um, in terms of how many buyers were there. The atmosphere was different. So I signed up for blueprint show coming in May. <laughs> oh, you did. Okay. Nice. It was a third of the cost and everyone was talking about Ooh. how much better of a show it was. So it was like, well, I hate to totally give up on shows yet, but I, you know, so I wanted to try this show before I, you know, make a final decision on these surface design shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting to hear that it's a third of the cost. So do you feel like Surtex is, um, I don't know. I mean, do you feel like they need to come down in price? Do you feel like the price is justified? 
do you feel like they just need different tiers or different options? Because it's like, if you can't get the artists to the shows and the buyers aren't going to come because what's the point? The buyers aren't going to spend a week or three days or whatever it is if they don't have a good selection of artists to choose from. Like their job is to buy the best artwork possible, right? So it's just kind of a ripple effect. (laughs) Well, and once I got there, you know, and hearing all the thoughts and people talking about shows in general, it's like, People go to Instagram to find new artists now and they go to mm, Spoonflower to find new artists. So it's like these companies aren't paying to send buyers out when they can just have their buyers scroll through their phones. And so that totally makes sense. I still think there is something about meeting the artists and seeing sure. their work. Um, so I think they, there's still a place for them, but I wouldn't be surprised if in like 10 years there isn't any of these trade shows. It's, oh, that's interesting. Um, I've heard people say that before, um, just even in the rug industry, which you would think with a rug, you would need to touch it and feel it um, more so than maybe with a pattern because a pattern can go on anything. But that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it is nice to have um, kind of a meeting place for um, – yeah, like you said, like for the buyer to actually meet the artist and cultivate that relationship. But at the same time, at the end of the day, like there's a little bit of personal in it, but for the most part, it's business and they're just going to want the best artwork. Exactly. And what I learned from, you know, like the the big fabric companies like Birch and um, Cloud9, they like want this is just like some things I've heard from the show. So this isn't like fact or anything, but that I heard that they want to see that you have a following before they sign you to a big fabric deal. Oh, that's interesting. That totally blew my mind. On Instagram specifically? They want you, they want to have like, you know, I don't, I don't even know what the magic number is, but before, yeah, they want to make sure you have so many followers that, you know, cause then they know, it's safer, you know, cause they're like, Oh, they have fans already. So these fans are going to buy it. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that really was eye opening, And it was like, man, I really need to focus on Instagram. <laughs> you know, and I find, I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but I find Instagram to be so difficult to, um, I guess to gain a true audience on because there's so many people using bots and like unfollows and follows. And like, even when people comment, it's like, you know, I love Instagram for the visual aspect of it. Like, and being an artist, like, I, I mean, I really do love it. And I love stories. Like, I love using it. But I don't know. Like, I, in terms of growth, they say to, like, focus on one platform. And I really like the SEO qualities that Pinterest and YouTube have because people can search. And then the content that you made is evergreen. You know, like as long as you have the keywords in there, like it can be found over and over again. Whereas Instagram, it's only really relevant for like a day. Um, And you just, it's so much work. (laughs) I'm like, how do people do it? I don't know. I talked to one woman, um, her name was Erin and she was um, writing an article. So we had like a nice little talk about this. And she was talking about how like, not only do they want like Instagram followers, but they want to see how many likes. So, cause like anyone can, like I could go buy in theory, a million Instagram followers, but right, it's like I'm posting something and there's two likes. That's like, Oh, <laughs> there's like something off here. And it was just like so many things that I just never thought about like that. And then leaving the show, I was like, Oh wow. <laughs> you know? So, but it gave me a good thing to focus on, like you said, cause it is hard to like which platform do you focus on? But 
Yeah. I mean, I definitely think Instagram is a good one to focus on because it seems like that's what buyers are going to be looking at more so than like, they're not going to go to your Pinterest and say like, Oh, how many people are following her on Pinterest? Like maybe they should, because once you actually look like there are some people that have hundreds of thousands of followers on Pinterest, but it's just not as popular, especially on your phone. Um, as Instagram is. It's so funny. Cause I feel like I use Pinterest as like a tool for myself and mm-hmm. like forget that it is another, like it is another media platform, like that I should. Yeah. Well, if you're trying to drive traffic to your website, it's really good too. That's what I've kind of found with it is that it's slow, but it's very steady growth. So I feel like when I first got serious about my Pinterest strategy, I had about like 300 um, followers. It was just like my friends from when I like first signed up for it, like back in South Carolina when I still lived there and we first met. Um, I mean, yeah, that God, that was like 10 years ago. I don't know. I'm so old, but, um, yeah, but then I started to implement like a more serious Pinterest strategy and now I have like over a thousand followers on Pinterest and it's driving traffic to my website, which should lead to sales, you know, so you know, but if, if a bigger buyer is seeing your stuff on Instagram and you get a licensing deal that way, I mean, you can go about it obviously multiple ways, but. Can't hurt to have, especially because Pinterest, I feel like is like, you can link Instagram to Pinterest. So you could just like post on Instagram, post on Pinterest at the same time. Yeah. I have completely given up on Facebook though. I will say. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Facebook business was like, no, thanks. No, they suck with their algorithm. I mean, I think that's what scares me too, is that they own Instagram. So that's a little scary for me. I'm like, what if they do the same shit (laughs) that they did to Facebook and businesses spent so much time trying to get people to like their business page. And I mean, Facebook owns it and they just took away the, took it away with the algorithm. It didn't even show up in people's feed. Even if they liked your business page, they wouldn't post. I found, and I mean, I get annoyed with that just with like your friends and like, you know, so um, yeah, cause they did that a couple months ago with Instagram, didn't where they changed it where it wasn't in chronological anymore. It was like based on what they thought you wanted to see. Yeah. So frustrating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'll make that decision thing. So right. I'm a grown ass woman. Like I will yeah. make my own choices of who I want to follow. And right. Thanks so. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's messed up. I don't really don't like it. You should at least be able to toggle, you know, whether you want to see things in like recent, in like chronological order, or if you would rather see it based on their algorithm, like you should be able to choose, I think. Personally. Right. Yes. I'm but. with you. In that. <laughs> yeah. So sorry for the tangent, but my next question was going to be, uh, do you think February will be good or bad for Surtex? Because they, I think they realize that they need to change something. So they've changed it to February, but do you see it as like a good or a bad thing? I can't, well, is Surtex, or not Surtex, is National Stationery Show moving to February as well? I don't know about that. See, that's the part, I should have researched that, because, so Surtex, like, is in this huge, huge convention center, and there's Surtex on one side, National Stationery Show was right on the other side, so it's all in one big room, and honestly, most of the traffic I got was from National Stationery Show, they didn't realize like I had so many people who were like, what do you guys do? Like, what are you selling? And they were like, oh, we're part of Surtex. Like, what's that? You know? So, um, I'm wondering if like they're separating them, if that's going to hurt them. Um, mm-hmm. but it definitely tells me that something is not going right to make, cause it's been in May forever. Right. So, 
Um, yeah, so I just Googled it, and the National Stationery Show is February 3rd to 6th in 2019. So maybe that does have something. So is that, is that when Surtex is, is the beginning of February? And I know it's in February. Let me see when the exact dates are, because that is an interesting point. Did, were any of the artists talking about, um, yeah, the dates are the fifth, or sorry, the third through the fifth. So they are okay. overlapping. So that's good that they're, keep, so they're keeping them together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I definitely thought that was interesting. Um, but I kind of just ignored it because I already knew I wasn't going back. So I was like, well, good luck. Hopefully it works out better. But I know there was a, a general vibe in the air of like the artists were not particularly happy. <laughs> About February. <laughs> well, then they had less than a year to like make their new collections, right? That, well, just that surtex, like people were like, where is everyone? Like, what is this? Like, you know, and so it was, it was interesting for mm -hmm. sure. There was a lot of gossip going on. It was kind of like high school, but with like pattern designers. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> oh gosh. But like, that's a, because like I hate to say I had a bad experience because I didn't because it was so cool to get to like hang out with like-minded people you know Cause, right. like, yeah, sure. how, many, how many times have you like hung out with like another pattern designer like not very often you know so right uh, I mean like, I, I will say like my best experience was probably when I studied abroad because I was only with other artists and it was so fun I loved it and I like grew so much um just from being in that environment you really do so that's why like you know, because people have, I've had people in, um, message me on Instagram asking about, would you do Surtex again? <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I never know what to tell them because it's like, oh, financially did not pay off. But personally, and like. You can I, just point them to this video. Right? <laughs> I'm going to now, like, because like typing on Instagram, like, I hate that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so okay. Well, okay. So the next question, which we kind of touched on is, if you wanted to approach a career in art licensing without attending shows, how would you do it? Social media. And I heard from several people there, Spoonflower, which ah. really surprised me because there's a lot of, um, I guess I just never thought of using, up. Oh, sorry, my dog's whining at me. Um, I never thought of using Spoonflower as a platform. I've just always used it for my personal projects or, you know, stuff right. like this. Um, and so that was really eye-opening to me. But it totally makes sense that if you're going to do a fabric collection, you'd go to a place like Spoonflower to see designers. Right. And I've heard designers also complain that, like, they don't make a lot of sales from Spoonflower. But if people are using it in a different way and it's more to get found, that's an inter interesting point as well. But I correct me if I'm wrong, but when you upload a pattern or design to Spoonflower, they technically own it. Like, you can't then go put it on Creative Market or another platform. Is that right? I don't think so. I think you still own the rights to it. But if you put it up for sale, like anyone could print that fabric and do whatever they want, wanted with it or sure. a paper or, you know, make, make their own stuff from it. So that kind of, you know, is a little unsettling in a way because you have no control. Right. But, um, right. But yeah, so there's definitely some flaws with it. But like, I have so many patterns that are just sitting and technique. Like I also heard at the show that 
buyers want patterns that nobody's seen. They want to be the first, they want exclusive, right? right. So basically it's like you put it on Instagram, it's like, you, what can you do with that pattern now? Which is so discouraging because it's also how you get found. So it's like this weird double. You have to do so much work. (laughs) I know. Okay. We like what you did, but now do something just for us. And you're like, okay, (laughs) but I don't know if you're going to like it. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, you know, so I've been struggling with that as well. Cause like, yeah, you're trying to build an Instagram following, but you can't post stuff on Instagram because they want exclusive rights. And so, um, a lot of my old patterns, and when I say old, I mean, they've been out, people have seen them, so they're not exclusive. I've been putting on Spoonflower because they're just sitting in my computer. So I, you know, no one's, I know for a fact, no one's seeing them in my computer. So if I can at least try to get them out, maybe it will lead to more licensing deals was my thought process. Yeah, that's a really interesting um, point. So is it kind of stuff that maybe you've used as like a piece of a design back in the day? And you're like, well, I could actually use this and like, put it out there and like, people can see it or maybe it'll sell on Spoonflower. Um, is that kind of your thought process? Basically like, so these, I wait, I waited until actually like last week I started putting them on Spoonflower. I wanted to see if I got anything from the show for these particular patterns that I showcased. If I didn't hear anything, I was going to put them on Spoonflower. So I haven't heard anything. Um, so now I'm starting to upload them and sell them on Spoonflower just to you know, try to build that following. Like yeah. Have you tried um, Pattern Bank just out of curiosity? I haven't. I think you told me about that a while ago. And then like, <laughs> I think I looked at it and then it was just one of those things that I never followed up on. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to, to know which platform to be on. Like there's Spoonflower, which is kind of more for fabric. And then there's Pattern Bank and they both want like exclusivity to your work. Not that they own it, but just that you're not selling it on another platform. But it's kind of hard to be like, well, I mean, if you're not attracting the customers, I should be able to sell it somewhere else. Right. You know? Yeah. I've never actually wanted to sell my patterns on create like places like creative market though, for some reason, like, especially Hmm. like the the vector files would like make me so nervous. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Like if I think if I design something with the intent that like, okay, this is a vector file, they can do whatever they want. But, um, yeah, I, I, cause I do have small fears of being ripped off, even though like I have like no followers on like, Instagram, but it's still a legit, legitimate fear when you put artwork out there that someone's going to rip you off. So oh, they definitely will, especially like when you do get big and you will, I mean, it's going to happen. Like, I don't, do you listen to the honest designers podcast? No. Okay. Well, it's really great. And, um, Lisa Glanz is one of the designers and she's huge. She's like made a really nice living on creative market and kind of has inspired me, but she's talked about getting ripped off is a huge problem. And I think it's just kind of inevitable. I hate to say that, but unless you like want to actually get a lawyer and sue people like, or like Healy did. And she almost went bankrupt doing that by the way. Um, and she got her point across, but like, I don't know if it's like really worth it. Like you could spend all that energy creating, you know, new designs rather than like being in court all the time. Right. Uh, rifle paper company sued Walmart too. Ooh, <laughs> I know. I need to follow up. Cause like, that would be a huge, that'd be huge. If like she won that for all artists really, because it, it is so such a prevalent problem in our industry. It is. It's a huge problem. Yeah. And sometimes like 
I don't know, um, the first rug company that I worked for, uh, they didn't even have designers for a while. So they would just buy things from vendors overseas. So they were working with like Chinese vendors, Turkish vendors, Indian vendors, Egyptian vendors, Belgian vendors, like vendors from all over the world. And so if these guys, the vendors, you know, were looking on Pinterest or wherever and getting inspired by some, someone like Rifle Paper Co., they may totally have knocked him off and the sales guy who's just buying stuff wouldn't even necessarily know that because they're not an artist or designer. So it's, it's a problem everywhere. I mean, it's hard to control. It's hard to control. Yes. But um, anyway, well, Amanda, do you uh, have any kind of final thoughts on Surtex or any final advice for aspiring circus designers? Um, so I'll tell like a quick story uh, yeah. from Surtex. Um, it was kind of a slow afternoon and this woman walked in front of my booth and she was looking at my booth and I could tell she was like, you know, like she's like not admiring, but she was definitely like intrigued by it is the right word. And I kept looking at her. I was like, I know this woman. Why did I know her from? And it was Elizabeth Olwyn. Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God. When I realized, I was like, you're Elizabeth Olwyn. I've been following you forever, blah, blah, blah. And she came up and talked to me for like 10 minutes and it was like amazing. And she was like, she told me, she's like, the biggest mistake new designers make is they give up too easy. Mm. And like, I don't even really remember all what we talked about, but that has really stuck with me because um, I could definitely see how it'd be like, it'd be so easy to quit after my first Zyrtec show. Like I didn't get any art licensing deals. So I'd be like, well, I guess I'm not good at making patterns. So I'm going to move on. But it did the exact opposite. Um, and so that would be my advice, I guess. Is uh, I love that advice. Did you know that um, when I was at genealogy, I felt like that because Michael, I don't think it was intentional, but he wanted me to just like recruit artists instead of like actually work on anything creative. And so I kind of felt like, what, like, do I suck? You know, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I got some freelance gigs on the side and that kind of helped boost my confidence. But it is, I mean, when you're an artist, you're putting your heart and soul out there and it is really easy to get your confidence crushed if you don't have some kind of like reassurance but yeah I mean you just have to keep going keep working and you will get better like the more you do it like with anything um it's just practice well and especially like on Instagram you know if like you post something that you really love and it gets like 10 likes you know this is how we make money so like you know, it sounds like superficial, but like likes are important. Like, cause that means like, oh, people would be interested in buying this. People would want this. So it is so easy to like get so discouraged. <laughs> right, but- right. And then you also think, well, I mean, on a platform like Instagram, you're like, well, did I just post at the wrong time of day? You know, like, is right. that why nobody is no one seeing it in the feed or, you know, what's happening? Yeah. So it's been a, yeah. So don't give up. Cause like you said, like, you get better as you go along, you learn things and improve your skills and but yeah. hey guys, um, definitely leave a comment uh, down below and let us know if you have any further questions about Surtex or about becoming a surface pattern designer. Um, we will definitely try to answer those as best as possible. Um, and definitely uh, subscribe to my channel, like this video, and click the little bell um, so that you get notified the next time I come out with a new video. You can find me on my website at laurenlesley.com, Leslie's with an EY, and also look in the description for a little freebie PDF that I have for you guys. Um, Amanda, will you tell everyone where they can find you on Instagram and on your website? 
Yes, so I am at Greenhound Press on both my Instagram and website. So greenhoundpress.com and my Instagram handle is at Greenhound Press. Okay, so awesome. That's where you can find me. <laughs> and I'm at Lauren Leslie Studio on Instagram. Um, Leslie's with an EY. And um, we're also going to have a podcast version of this video so that if you want to uh, kind of listen along to the next episode, um, you can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And that way you can listen in your car. You don't necessarily have to be in front of a computer screen. It's we also have a Facebook group at Design Tribe Lauren Leslie. And thank you guys so much for watching. Amanda, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, and thanks for sharing your experience at Zertech. Yeah, hopefully it was helpful. <laughs> oh, very helpful. All right. Bye, girl. I hope you have a good day. <laughs>